welcome to this week's episode of My Big Gay Podcast with me, Benji. And me, Brad, giving you the life, the loves and lows of living in London. Two gays, one city. What, what could, could possibly, possibly go, go wrong? wrong? Every mountain higher. Yes, such a tune. And um, sorry, who sings that tune? Uh, S Club Seven. And was S Club Seven or was not S Club Seven the uh, winner of our poll on Instagram this week? Okay, they were, but only just. Can I just add? Only just. They won by either one or two. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I know at least two people messaged saying they voted for the wrong one. Stop the count. I'm not even going to try to do an impression of Donald Trump. <laughs> Me and Brad have always had this ongoing battle between which is better to Steps to S Club 7. I'm very much an S Club 7 child. I watch religiously their TV programs, the one they did in LA, and like the, the other one they did, was it Malibu or Miami? Uh, literally watched it all day. It was sweltering hot in the summer, and I would sit indoors with the curtains closed, and I'd watch S Club 7 because they're much better than steps okay well i'm not denying i do love s club and that song always makes me bop but oh, i don't know what it is about steps maybe it was it was the first band i ever saw in my whole life so maybe i've got that like connection but their hits are so good and even now they're releasing banger after banger and what they're in their 40s yes in their 40s and struggling to pay their mortgage so of course they're <laughs> going to bring out another single says s club seven trying to do a reunion tour again yeah, for poor Joe because she lost all her money in a casino. I'm very invested in their lives emotionally. And I just, I'm a little bit done with steps, I'll be honest. No, you can't say that. No, I'm not done with them. Like if they, if they come on in Brewers, I absolutely, you know, I'm on the glitter wall. But yeah, I, I just, S Club for me. If I had to vote, definitely S Club. Um, little story about S Club 7. One of my friends recently was chatting to one of the uh, members on Grinder. <gasps> no, I bet it wasn't them. Apparently it was. They sent pictures. They sent nudes. You say one of the members, but we're talking about eight here. <laughs> no, uh, talking about S Club. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so it's going to be John. Uh, I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny what I heard. But John was the only gay one. I can neither confirm nor <laughs> deny. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you drinking this week? Well, I am drinking. I'm not doing dry January, by the way. This is M&S raspberry vodka with lemonade. It's from where, sorry? From M&S. This is not just any (laughs) alcoholic drink. This is an overpriced M&S (laughs) alcoholic drink. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's true. It is overpriced, but actually it tastes really sweet. Really nice. Right up my street. Great. You love things up your street. (laughs) What are you drinking? I am drinking, so I made a bit of like an exotic cocktail. I was feeling a bit, you know, basically I'm using up all the alcohol from Christmas. And um, I've used like an elderflower press drink, which on its own tastes really good, but in this tastes like nothing. Then I've added bitter lemon because I love bitter lemon. Mm -hmm. Gin, I free poured whilst not really thinking and I've put a lot in. And then just to sort of spice it up, I've squeezed half a passion fruit into it. I love a passion fruit. I love a passion fruit when it is a, like you eat it as a passion fruit or in a Ponsa martini. Yeah. In this, it looks more like 
I'm going to send you a picture actually now whilst you're talking. It sends a, it looks a bit like frog spawn floating in uh, <laughs> right. a, a bit, a bit of a rancid cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Does it taste nice though? Yeah. Um, it's, it tastes very strong. Oh God. <laughs> Good luck listeners. We'll see how we get on. Yeah. I'm trying to drink it slowly, but you know that she drinks fast. So. Yeah. And you're such a lightweight as well. So this could go horribly wrong this week. Humongous lightweight. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I know it makes it a cheap date, but <laughs> yeah, if I go to the pub, I know pub, right. And have like a pint. I know I get even laddier. I am, I'm pretty hammered after a pint. Yeah, I can totally see that because I've been out with you before and you've had like one glass of wine and then you're like on the pole, you know, so. Gone. I'm absolutely gone. Do you remember when we went out and we got we got a bottle of champagne or something? I had one glass and I was not, you know, seeing two of you. <laughs> exactly. Away with it. I'm the great old time by yourself. <laughs> great old time with me and my two dates. <laughs> oh dear. I've just got your picture through. Um, yeah, I know what you mean about the whole frog spawn thing. It does it like there's little jellied tapples in your uh, drink it's not the best picture i've ever taken but um anyway yeah so it's some sort of gin fizz surprise um and the surprise is after half a glass i'll probably start you know spilling all the secrets <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you're not doing dry january i thought no. that'd be the sort of thing you do first of all no because my birthday's in january and so logistically that is not gonna work two i don't think that following 2020 any of us need to do a dry jam yeah right especially now that we're back in a lockdown i mean we'd like a nice little glass of wine at the end of the day you know <sighs> just a glass of wine to start the day if i'm honest but <laughs> so no i'm not doing dry jam and you know i'm very happy with my decision but anyway enough of this alcohol talk we have to get on with the podcast we have a very exciting episode coming up which we are talking about all of our coming out stories <laughs> drums at the beginning i'd live for when that little guitar riff goes you're like oh i know this song it's the it's the <laughs> like if i'm in a club and this comes on i i literally i pause and i will look for anyone who appreciates the as much as i do and if they get it i'm like right i'm taking you home no i'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. oh goodness <laughs> so good so our coming out stories. We've had a few people message asking us for these. Uh, I actually don't know your coming out story. How how well were you? I I was quite late actually. I was about twenty two, twenty three. It was my first year at drama school. Um, I had had no idea really. I don't think. Although looking back, I sort of wonder if I just told myself it wasn't an option. Like I've said before in the podcast, like I have a very strict religious family, so I didn't. I guess it was nothing that I was ever able to explore whilst living at home. So maybe moving out definitely helped. And also you lived in Jersey, right? Which is like small islands, probably not loads of gay people there anyway. No, well, not that you know of. Yeah, it's very small, very small community. Um, you never see like two guys holding hands. You don't see, or two ladies holding hands for that matter. Um, it's very much just not it's not a presence or it wasn't a presence when I was growing up. It's definitely getting better. There's now like the Channel Island Pride, which they do, which like Jersey and Guernsey take it in, ty- in turns. Um, so it is getting there. It's still not, it's still not as good as it is in London 
which also still needs to get better. But anyway, that's a different subject. Um, so yeah, first year of drama school, um, I was in a choir and someone within like who I sat next to basically got, was really interested in me and I just thought he wanted to be friends. But then Christmas ball came around and he just like started kissing me at the Christmas ball. <laughs> was there mistletoe? I have no idea at this stage. <laughs> Your tongue was too busy playing tonsil tennis. No idea. Yeah. Or I was just in shock and didn't really know how to respond. <laughs> so the first time you kissed a boy? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. Um, I say think so. Yeah, it was in a... I had another time I'd totally forgotten, but no, it was the first time it, and, I, and I'd sort of let it happen. Um, and then obviously ended up, up at his house and then consequently ended up in a relationship with him. And then I went through that whole, that whole rest of the year. And then the summer came and two of the girls that I was closest to in my year lived in America. We're going back to America for the holidays. So I don't know if you know where this is going. Um, so we broke up from school. I sent an email to my dad, just to my dad, um, and then flew to America for three weeks to hide. Oh, so you came out to your dad via email and then went to America? Fled to America, correct. Um, <laughs> it worse because in the email, I said, oh, by the way, um, three days after I get back from America, back to Jersey, um, my boyfriend is coming to visit for a week. And staying at your house? And staying at the house, yeah. At the time, they thought it was just like a friend coming to visit. And then, obviously, but it wasn't. Um, wow. So, yeah, that happened. Then I came back, and it was all very weird. And to be honest, it's still like a journey that I'm going through today with my family. It's not really like a talked-about thing. They didn't ask if I'm in a relationship or anything like that. Um, so, I don't know if that's like a, like a lack of support, or if it's just them not really knowing what to do do about it mm. but yeah in a way it, it doesn't phase me anymore that I don't have that sort of support from my actual bloodline family because I have surrounded myself with a lot of people that I love very dearly like who have become sort of my support bubble mm-hmm. family, as it were so um I know it's not great and you, you always see this on drag race like they're like oh how does your how do your parents feel and they burst into tears and they're like oh I just want them to accept me and I my parents do accept me and I know they love me very much but I I guess I no longer fight for their approval with it. It's not something I need. I, I'm very independent and a very strong, independent lady, <laughs> you would say. And so, yeah, I, I guess that's that's kind of what happened. It didn't help that the email that my dad got, he sort of sat on it for about a week before saying anything to, my, to the rest of my family. They were angry that he hadn't told them, and then it became like a bit of a bigger thing. But also one thing that actually... I do, I can still hear it now. It was the day, I think it was the day before I moved away to college and my sister came with me in the car to drive all my stuff from Jersey over to Surrey where I trained. And the day before we left, she she looked me in the eyes and she's like, I'm so happy that you finally got into the school you wanted to go into. Just promise me you won't come back gay. Why would she say that though? I actually don't know. Again, I don't know if it's more of because of what it's like, you know, back where they live. If it's, because they don't know how to deal with it or I, I, I actually don't know but yeah that was a very uh, long-winded story no I uh thank you for sharing that with me and and everyone that's listening so I have a couple of questions what year was it roughly 2011 so nearly like a decade ago right yeah oh god yeah wow do you think if you were to come out now it might be different or would it still be the same because your family are, are that sort of mindset yeah, it would still be the same. 
And my other question was when your boyfriend then came to stay with you, how did that work? And did your like family discuss it? And no. did you like hold hands in front of your family or? No, nothing like that. Actually, he was phenomenal. Like he's had a very different coming out story. He came out like when he was very, very young and his parents just accepted him. Like they didn't even see it as like a thing where they had to accept or not accept. It was just fact. Like, you know, he had dark hair and he was gay. Like it was just a thing. Um, so he, he was absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm very, I'm very grateful actually for him in a way. Yeah. He did help loads. Um, I don't think we don't really talk anymore, but we did leave things on really good terms. Um, which was nice as well. Cause I know that if I ever needed to get in touch with him, he, cause he understands my whole family situation, he would definitely help, which is nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. And also if you, if you break up with someone and it's just because it's not quite going the right way, you're on different paths, not because you've like had a massive fallout. I think you're always going to have that connection, aren't you? There's always going to be something there. Nope. He is the only ex that I talked to. Really? Only one who I would have called, like who I was actually in a relationship with that I still talk to. I don't talk to any of the others. But is that because they all ended badly for whatever reason? Um, is it because they ended badly? I don't know. You know, I don't, mm, yeah, I actually, I actually don't know. I'm trying to think in, in my head, I've only ever had like three or four very serious ones. I think when we decided it wasn't working, although I didn't necessarily agree or disagree, depending on which relationship it was, they, all of them had become like my best friend. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's a pride thing. I just, I had more, I would have found it easier to cut them out altogether mm-hmm. and not have that, you know, heart ripping out sensation of seeing them, but not being able to sort of hug them or talk to them in the same way, but have them as a friend. I just, I couldn't, I think for me, I just, I can't do that. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I definitely get that. But um, gosh, I didn't read this. When we started talking about doing this episode, I didn't think it was going to be this heavy. <laughs> I've had a lovely old time living in London for the last decades, living in Soho, lots of different sort of relationships going on, like living the dream. And then actually, when I think about how it all started, I realize how far I've come today. Mm. It's, uh, let's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that is, that is the thing, isn't it? It's about how time gets better, hopefully, right? And just, as you say, you know, most people in my experience that I've met that come from their like small towns, wherever they are, and move to the, the main city, where obviously everything is just generally much more accepting. And that's where you really find yourself in the city, I would say. Yeah. I mean, just briefly going back to RuPaul, I don't want to keep referring back to him, but he, he the thing that he says about like you choose we get to choose our own family, I think is just one of the most powerful things he's actually ever said. Um, and I, I actually believe with him so much because like, I, I, for some reason, I always surround myself mainly with women. I don't know why. I just seem to get on with them better than sort of straight guys or other guys. Um, but yeah, so I've got, you know, I've got my family back in Jersey and I've very much got my family in London and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Right, anyway, enough about me spilling my heart out. What happened? Um, what was your coming out story? Do you know what? It's actually a little bit similar to yours in a way. Believe it or not, I was a very late uh, kind of starter with sex and boyfriends. So, I mean, same thing. Grew up in a small town. Always knew that I wanted to move to London at some point. But the school that I went to was quite a small school. So the, um, the year groups were tiny. So this wasn't like... Um, 
it wasn't like I was in the school with hundreds and hundreds of people where there was maybe different personalities and maybe could have explored my sexuality earlier, you know? So I didn't even kiss anyone till I was like 16. <laughs> it was actually in a game of spin the bottle. <laughs> and I remember, um, yeah, it was like with me and like some of the sick formers, whatever, I just done my GCSEs and it was that summer. And uh, yeah, we we're playing spin the bottle at a party and, um, you know, classic starts of like, oh, a kiss on the cheek. Oh, a kiss on the lips. And then it went into snogging. I remember getting really nervous because I never snogged before. And I was playing with like 18 year olds who had, and it, it went to me and this other girl and, uh, she came over to, to like snog me. And before she did, I whispered in her ear, I was like, I've never done this. <laughs> she was like, don't worry. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that was my first snog. I was like 16 or whatever. So I hadn't really explored girls or being straight at all until, you know, sort of 17 onwards. Exploring being straight, I think is, is the way that the world needs to go. You grow up, it doesn't matter what you are. You shouldn't, people shouldn't just assume that you're straight until you say otherwise. Yeah. You're just, you are who you are. You fall in love with who you fall in love with. And it's not about, oh, actually, sorry, I'm not straight. It's just, no, actually, I'm gay. Yeah. Rather than having to tell people that you're not. Yeah. That's the one thing that I really dislike, which is why I said before that I still think that London needs to move in a certain way. I don't like the fact that people even have to come out anymore, if I'm quite honest. And a lot of people have it as quite a liberating part of their childhood or, or life. I actually don't think it should be necessary. Do you know what I really put pressure on when I was younger is obviously when I was like 15 or whatever, probably like there was like a little bit of a gay flair coming through a, a bit, you know, as you get older and people um, ask me, are you gay? But I, I couldn't say yes to that because I'd never even kissed a boy. So how could I answer that question? So I'd be like, no. And then in my head, I was like, oh, well, now I've said I'm not gay, I have to like definitely be straight. And I think I had that pressure on me for quite a few years. Um, so I, in a way, I kind of wish, obviously, you're when you're young and, you know, you're kind of discovering yourself, yeah. you don't have that confidence, do you? Right. And you're like unsure of your sexuality and discovering yourself you don't have that confidence to turn around like none of your fucking business you know no exactly that's what i mean about just assuming you're straight until told otherwise it just it does my head in also i went to an all boys school so there were so many more implications involved if you actually were to turn around and say yes yeah because obviously there's like this changing after like pe there's just like there's just all sorts of things that would make it so much more difficult if you were to come out like it's so oh it's just such a venomous atmosphere also i don't know when you were growing up people always used to work, use the word gay as like a, a, a like people would say if they were annoyed yes like, oh the bus has stopped running oh gay yeah oh my goodness yeah and then that also made me feel uncomfortable but i didn't want to show that i was uncomfortable because then people would be questioning my sexuality so i used to like go along and laugh with it knowing that i didn't want to laugh with it yeah 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 i don't hear people saying like oh that's gay anymore in that way i think that's all been stamped out right yeah i hope so i mean lest we look back upon our episode one Brad, when you used <laughs> a slang term where you offended an entire nation. Um, but yeah, I think there's lots of things that we're still finding our feet with everyone as a society. 
Exactly. And I got called up on it, didn't realise I was being offensive and therefore don't say that anymore, you know. So that's what it's about. It's about education, isn't it? Uh, which I do think is is so much better now than it was like 10 years ago, 20 years ago when we were at school. Yeah, I definitely think it's getting better. Although, is that just because we haven't been in school? I don't know. I would. Lo- I really hope that inside school it's, it's different. Uh, to be honest, I know someone who I grew up with who is now gay and he's a primary school teacher and he goes not out of his way, but he's so unapologetically him. Like his classroom is all rainbows. And like when there's paint like pictures of like families, he's got families which are both same gender couples. He's got not to make a thing of, he doesn't like do lessons on it, but it's so the kids, when they see it and look at it and copy it, they don't, they grow up not questioning it. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I actually dated a primary school teacher a couple of years ago and he got these like special books on the internet where it was about gay characters in it. So he was then reading these stories at these kids at a young age, like gay stories, straight stories, just kind of everything. And I think that's just the way forward, isn't it? Yeah, totally, totally agree. I um, Yeah, I think we just need to all stop looking for labels and start looking for love. <laughs> But anyway, carry on, because we haven't got to the bit where we're all waiting for. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, went through um, a sort of a a slow development discovery, I guess, back in my hometown. Um, And it wasn't really until I moved to London and made friends who were out and proud and gay and just like unapologetically them who then took me to like heaven and Soho and like all these cool places that I would never have imagined existed back in my small town where I was born. So just, just to stop you there, just in case people don't know what heaven is, they're not from London, etc. Just quickly explain what heaven is. Well, Heaven is a nightclub right by the Thames and it is Europe's biggest LGBTQ plus venue. Yeah, it is. I was really hoping you were going to say, well, Heaven is a place on earth. Um, (laughs) Ah, damn it. Where are the jokes? (laughs) Where are the jokes? (laughs) Anyway, sorry, I keep interrupting you. Keep going. Yeah, so basically I then, uh, I discovered my sexuality, actually kissed the boy for the first time properly, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I eventually ended up getting a boyfriend. And again, I'd never had a boyfriend before. So this is all new territory. Anyway, I do it. The story does turn a little bit sad or a bit, you know, a bit bad. And I I kind of wish I had this hadn't happened. But, um, you know, I started to come out all my friends. They accept me and love me. And then I plus started to make new friends that were then part of my LGBTQ plus family that I have now in London. Anyway, I actually moved in with a friend of mine that I went to college with and we were living together. And the guy that I was dating, I didn't know this at the time because I was sort of quite naive, uh, obviously back in the day, not having a boyfriend before. Um, he was a little bit toxic. Oh. And yeah, just generally was like sort of creating drama and stuff. But I didn't quite see that he was doing that. How I came out to my mum, which uh, which I wish I could sort of go back and, and do differently, I guess. Basically, it, things were getting like a bit funny in the flat. And uh, Wait, were you living together? No, no, no. Sorry. When I was living with a friend of mine. Right. And it just all like kind of escalated, just like little things, you know, that just like build and build. And like, we'd never really lived together before. And anyway, it, it all started to like build up. And then my boyfriend at the time was then kind of like stirring the pot more and it just, um, it kind of all escalated. 
And my friend, he turned around and said, like, I'm going to tell your mum that you're gay. Oh. Just in like the heat of the moment, looking back, he probably wouldn't have done that. But I got so panicked that he was going to do that. And my mum was going to find out that way and not me tell her. So then I basically went to my room and I was so upset. I called my mum up and told her over the phone. But I was obviously like really upset and I was crying about it and I was saying look I need to tell you this before just in case you hear it um uh, hear it another way but I'm gay I'm seeing this guy and it kind of all came out in this like um yeah not in I wish it was different uh but what I would say is I'm so glad I did come out and I guess that kind of gave me the sort of nudge to do it because I was holding back and I was a bit scared to do it but coming out to my mum even under those circumstances, obviously that all got resolved and it was all fine. It really strengthened my relationship with my mum and we are so close now. I mean, we always got on well anyway, but I knew that I was really like suppressing my personality uh, in front of my mum when I would like go back home and visit and stuff. So I just didn't want her to kind of ask me. I wanted me to, to tell her when I was ready, I guess. Yeah. So I was kind of suppressing my personality and, and therefore wasn't being me when I was back home anyway. Whereas obviously when it all came out and, uh, you know, cause I'm cleared the air, it's great. And I, yeah, I am me when I go back home and see my family now. Oh. So it all turned out well. Oh, I had no idea about any of that. I'll be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, as I said, I wish I could go back and just um, not necessarily go back and change me coming out. Cause I'm so glad I came out. And as I said, it's definitely, my life is so much better for it. Uh, I just wish I could change the way it happened. That's all. Yeah, gosh. But, you know, this is all part of life lessons, isn't it? You know, and what I would say is that in my experience with friends that have also moved to London, explore the sexuality, come out to their family, it's always turned out for the best, even though you have that like initial moment of like, oh, this could be really awkward. Don't know how to start this conversation. But once it's out in the open, my experience is it always brings the family closer and then therefore everyone is so much better for it. Yeah. So for anyone listening, what sort of advice would you give to those who are, you know, who haven't come out, who but, you know, want to or are thinking about the best way to do it? Well, I would say there's don't put a time pressure or limit on yourself. Like you will know when you're ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that then you want to explore you and discover who you are first before like then telling the world who you are, you know? Yeah. So I would say there's no rush to do that. It's, it's you and it's all on your terms. How to do it? I mean, you sent an email. I called my mum up uh, on, on tears on the phone. I guess is what is the right way to do it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think oh, it's a really difficult one. I think you've nailed it on the head though. I think it's you do it when you feel right. I would also say that you do it when you start finding that you're altering yourself to try and please other people yeah because that's inevitably where your own personal mental health will start to deteriorate because you're trying to make yourself a product of something that doesn't actually exist and if it does it it shouldn't exist anymore you just need to be who you are um yeah and i i think i think you're right i think to do it when you're happy and when you're i don't know i want to say when you're surrounded by lots of friends but i appreciate that not everyone has the luxury of necessarily finding those sorts of friends that they feel will be with them no matter what. Yeah, I do feel as well, if you are from a small town, obviously like you were, like I was, moving to a city definitely helps you find those people that you can connect with on that same level. And it's that classic, you know, moving from small town to big city and discovering who you are. I do think there is that opportunity to do that in the cities. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think moving to a city definitely helped me find new people in my life. It was all um, 
it was all a helpful extending sort of your support network as it were um but look we've had so many actually whilst we're recording we've had even more people writing in with your coming out stories so i think instead of rushing those through because me and brad have um chatted a little bit too extensively about ourselves which we love to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have hogged the spotlight this week haven't we well, you have. Um, so I think what we'll do actually is we're going we're gonna to leave your coming out stories for next week so we can spend more time with them because we don't want to rush them. And also we have a very exciting game that we want to talk about. Obviously, when it comes to coming out, that's all well and good. But once that's all done, once you feel safe and happy and confident, you'll be going on dates. And we know that in COVID, dating has been difficult, but we've got you covered. Listen to this. Yes, so as we mentioned before, we understand that in 2020, it's been very difficult to date. However, we have got the answer for you. We will be playing live on the podcast in the upcoming episodes, Blind Date. Now, we'll explain more about this next week. However, the applications are open. So do head over to our Instagram or our Twitter, which is at Big Gay Podcast, to find out how to apply now. Well... Sadly, that is all we have time for on this week's episode of My Big Gay Podcast. Don't forget, you can easily find us on all social medias or our website, which is mybiggaypodcast.com. On next week's episode, we will be reading out your coming out stories. If you haven't sent them in already, please do. If you are at home, you haven't come out and you are struggling and any of this has affected you, please do send us a message. We will help as much as we can. Or don't forget, the MIND contact number is 0300 123 Until next week on My Big Gay Podcast, see you, you next, next Wednesday. Wednesday! We're just going to leave you with these loving words from RuPaul himself. As gay people, we get to choose our families. And my chosen family includes millions of brave men and women across this country and around the world. Don't with my family. My Big Gay Podcast would love, love, love to thank this month's subs. I mean subscribers. Who are the following? Becky B, Vasilis, Jay, William Mealy, Jack, Joe Brown. As well as Richard, Mark, Tommy, Kendrick, Rob Houghton, Michael Leonard, and Marty. By subscribing, you're helping to keep my big gay podcast free and accessible to the LGBTQ plus community around the world. Yes, and thanks to your generosity, we're now able to make the podcast transcribed so that those that are hard of hearing can also enjoy the podcast. It only costs less than a cup of coffee a month, and you can cancel at any time. Well, if you really want to. And don't forget, you'll also be added to our close friends list on Instagram for extra content just for your eyes. Oh, Benji, you're not going to make me put up nudes, are you? No, mate, we're trying to thank our following, not send them running. (laughs) 